0: Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with a simple goal of following Jesus together, and we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Good morning, Vine. My name is Kelly Morlidge, and our scripture reading today is from Acts 28, 23-31. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, "'Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: The way that things end matters. We know this. The way that things come to an end matters. We know people who just can't end a phone call. You know that person who just just keeps just saying goodbye over and over again and how painful that is. If you don't know of that person, I think you probably are that person. The way things end matters. Uh, Also, you think of uh, the way that relationships end matters. The way our TV shows and our movies, uh, the ones that we care about matters. I remember when being so into the the TV show Lost and I remember when we were getting to the final season just having this sense of angst that this better wrap up like I I have I have questions that I need answered and I remember that last uh, episode happened and I was not content. I was not happy. The way that things end matters. And and here we've come to the end of our 50-day journey through the book of Acts and we've seen incredible things. We've seen the resurrected Jesus give parting words and instructions to his his frightened disciples and we saw the Holy Spirit meet with them there in their anxiety and their uncertainty and, and empower them. And this movement began. This movement began to spill into Israel and outside of Israel, into across ethnic lines, racial lines, national lines. And and what we see is that the Holy Spirit is not owned by a people group, but God has a passion for the world. And we've seen this in these 50 days and how when the gospel moves into a new city, a new place, it's almost divisive. Like people are, are closed to it and other people are radically transformed by the good news of what Jesus is for us today even. And we've seen how, how the gospel has moved into people, the most unlikely people in society, people like a man named Saul, who was actually an enemy towards the, the movement of, of Christ into this world. And we have seen how God just radically transformed his life. And, and we saw how then Paul was transformed to be a great pioneer of the faith, planting churches in many cities around that region. And, and we're here in Acts 28, at the end of this book, and we remember that the way things end, it matters to us. And at first glance, the ending to this book of Acts might leave many of us disappointed, because it seems abrupt. It seems like a lot, of, a lot of things are left without much closure or excitement. There's great drama in the chapters before, if you remember, that Paul incited riots just by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. We saw him imprisoned, and he, people were trying to kill him. They were plotting to kill him. We saw him put on a ship and having a boat wreck and being deserted in an island, being bit by a snake, all these incredible things. He finally gets to Rome, and it feels, feels like the, the uh, anticipation's building, and then the way it ends is now Paul is in house arrest for two years. Okay, that's the, how this is going to end, this great story. Did anyone else wonder, like, but what happened to Paul? Well, what we need to remember is that this is not the story of a man named Paul. This is a story about how the Holy Spirit birthed a church, created a movement that now, 2,000 years later, is still transforming the world. This is also the story of how Jesus' words came true, his parting words in Acts 1.8, when it said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts is telling a story about what happens when the Holy Spirit fills and empowers God's people to bear witness wherever they are. But interesting for me is the final sentence of this entire book, the entire book of Acts, is Acts 28, verse 31. Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. After meditating on this final sentence, I was really captivated by something. It was actually the last word, unhindered. That Paul was unhindered. Now, this is a surprising word because, to be honest, by all standards, Paul was hindered. Remember, he's a prisoner in house arrest. He's doing that for two years. He couldn't go where he wanted to go, do what he wanted to do. He was stuck in this house, watched by Roman soldiers. But the story ends with Paul, though being held as a captive, was unhindered. Sure, now this word might be used to describe how Paul could still meet with and teach people while they visited him in this home, but I think this word is actually trying to point us to something deeper. The actual word in Greek is uh, akalitos, and it could be translated as unhindered or to be able to do something freely. Um, If we were to explore the meaning like I did of this word, I was curious. Right, where else in the Bible is this word used? I just want to know, like, what is similar to this, this moment here at the end of Acts? And I looked and did a word search of how many times this, this word was used in our Bible. You want to know how many? One. This is the only time this word unhindered is used in the New Testament. It's the only time. It's like the author of Acts, the same one who wrote Luke, he was trying to think of, I, I need to describe who Paul is at the end of everything he's experienced. And his vocabulary was enough. He had to dig deeper to a word that he usually didn't use. And he came upon this word oh, Paul was unhindered. You know, what's interesting is that though he, by all standards, was, had such great limitations, he was unhindered. Though he was bound in a home. He was yet a liberated man. This is where the Christian idea of freedom seems to be in conflict with the typical definition that we use of freedom. Or if I can be more pointed, this is where Jesus' idea of freedom confronts the American ideal of freedom. And I've even noticed in these last couple weeks that even the concept of freedom seems to be loaded, seems to be divisive. And I think as followers of Christ, we, we need to look at this word more deeply, this concept of, of being unhindered, of having that sense of freedom. Um, for our society, freedom means to be able to do what we want to do, go where we want to go, say what we want to say, do what we want. Like just We just want to be unhindered in that way. But the Bible's notion of freedom is something different. Freedom is not merely not having any limitations put on us. It's not merely being able to go and do and say and to have whatever we want. The Christian idea of freedom is to be able to be who we were created to be. This is the reality, is that the work of Christ is to set us free, to make us unhindered by sin, regret, brokenness. In all the ways that we were not created to live, the work of the gospel is to set us free, to make us unhindered not only to not do what we are not supposed to do, but also to free us up, to be able to be the people we are created to be, to, to not chase that world's idea of limitless freedom, but actually to give ourselves over to the things that truly matter, to be people of compassion and grace and mercy. It's, we're now freed up to know and to follow Jesus with our whole hearts. Even Paul, he wrote to a church in Galatia, He wrote words that I think are very powerful for us. He wrote in verse 13 in Galatians 5, he said, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That idea of the flesh means for self-centered desires. So Paul's saying, you're free, you're set free, but don't use your freedom to serve the self. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So you. You've been set free, making life all about you. You're now set free to serve humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the Christian idea of freedom is not some external state where limitations are no longer imposed on us. It's an internal reality where we are now freed up to be the people God has created us to be. And namely for Paul, it's this idea that we are now free to be people of sacrificial, generous love. That is why Paul, though he is homebound and in chains, he can be unhindered. Of course, we want to work towards liberating people who experience like literal enslavement and oppression and bondage but the work of Christ is also an inner liberation. It's a reorientation of sorts. This is how people can live unhindered while experiencing great constraints. I mean, I think about my life. I think about people who I have met who had great limitations, yet seem to embody an inner deliverance and freedom. I'm thinking about people who had a lot of socio-economic restraints put on them, but man, they had this sense of Freedom. Like, they had this sense of boldness and, and gratitude. And while at the same time, I've met many people who seem to have limitless resources and seem to personify the idea of freedom in our culture, yet somehow they seemed enslaved. They're enslaved to a career track, to material wealth, a desire for more, just never enough, more power, more status, greater position, and that idea of definition, that de- definition of freedom for me, actually leads this, this, like, this deceptive sense of bondage. You know, I heard a, a friend mention Jim Carrey recently, he said this, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they have ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. That idea of freedom is not the answer. It's not the answer for the end of Acts. Because we're looking at a different kind of freedom here. In Paul, he was unhindered by the ways of this world. He was constrained, yet to know and to follow Jesus. He was freed up to do that, to be a person of radical love. And we too, we can live unhindered. Our lives can be marked by that same word, while we're living in such constraints. Now, it's not a hard—it's not a hard task for me as a preacher to to make a connection between. Paul's experience of being homebound there at the end of Acts and, and our experience right now, it's its not difficult for me to make that connection. We know what it's like to feel stuck in place, to have limits imposed upon us, to have uh, dreams and ideas and hopes taken from us. its We have this common sense of loss right now because of the great limitations of this moment, the loss of seeing people, the loss of gathering as a church, the the pain of having plans that we were looking forward to just dissolve. And there's some of us in our community who have experienced even a deeper sense of loss, uh, deeper limitations, financial limitations, a loss of uh, being able to be in relationship, of experiencing isolations. Really important moments were taken from you, physical limitations of being sick, having illness. You're experiencing that. And yet, here at the end of Acts, This great story of what it's like to now live with God's Spirit says there can be freedom while experiencing limitations and loss. Sarah is a friend of mine. She's a pastor that serves uh, in Providence, Rhode Island. And and, uh, she she is actually going to lead a workshop for families in our church about how to to spiritually be present with our kids and how to look for moments for us to uh, train our kids in, in the way of Christ. Uh, but I was, I've been following her uh, since we became friends, and I noticed something about her. Sarah has been taken care of and, and uh, caring for uh, her mother has a degenerative illness. And she began, as she was being present with her mother, began to see an interplay between two different things, limitation and hope. And she actually shared this with the grid. So with this grid, she uh, began to notice how limitations and hope actually have a unique relationship. So there are times where in our lives where we have very low limitations. Not much is imposed upon us. And there are times in our life where it feels like, like, like there's incredible limitations. Like we're having a lot of restrictions on our life. Meanwhile, there's times in our life where we just seem to be just empty of hope. And there are times in our life where we have, seem to have a great sense of hope. What you begin to realize is that there tends to be characteristics that mark people who are living in these different areas. So when people experience uh, a great amount of limitations and very little hope, it can oftentimes lead to a sense of despair, which is just this hopelessness that, that you're just a plaything of life. It's just going to happen to you. There's not much reason to strive for, for hope or try to, to seek to find life and goodness in that moment. Now, there's also people who they, they have very little sense of hope, but not much limitations, and that's going to be be marked by a sense of apathy. Just they could exercise some authority in their life, but they just don't really care to. You know, this reminds me of just this, the experience of your motivation being zapped from you when you just feel challenged in that way. Now there are people who have very low limitations, yet they have incredible hope. They're marked with enthusiasm. They just feel like life is theirs to take. Like, just shoot for the moon. Go for that thing. Why not? Because life is just a gift. It's easy. It comes easy. But there's something interesting that happens when people have a great sense of hope while at the time experiencing a lot of limitations. What she began to see, and what we see throughout Scripture, those people actually experience joy. It's surprising that someone who they might experience incredible limitations if they can be people who are marked by a sense of hope, that their, their experience is a surprising sense of joy. Now, when I look at this, I actually see the two different definitions of freedom actually at work. I see this idea of what we naturally want in our culture is this right here, very low limitations, yet the sense of enthusiasm. This is what we want. But what we find over and over in Scripture is that God... Has a, has a tendency to fuel, God has a tendency to find and seek out people, to move them to be places, though they experience great limitations, though they have uh, suffering and loss, though life is not easy, that they, if they can be held by hope, that God seems to be incredibly present, that they can be marked uh, with joy. Though I am weak, I know that God is strong. That's what this is pointing to right here. Now, when I saw this grid, I just paused for a second, and I could track my life, my weeks, as I move around this grid. And I'm just curious, just to take a moment here, and I wonder where you would place yourself today. If you find yourself somewhere on the spectrum of being a person of great hope, struggling with hope, someone who feels like, nah, no, I don't feel like there are much limitations in my life, or maybe you feel like, yeah... There's tons of limitations. Where are you on this grid? I know moments for me where I've been overwhelmed by anxiety, just really, really deeply sad over all the different things I was looking forward to just dissolve. And I found myself just with very little hope and just experiencing limitations. I was a person of despair. There's been those moments. I've also been in moments where I've just struggled to feel motivated whereas i was talking to a friend i asked him like how is your soul doing and expecting some deep theological answer he goes i would describe it as a meh <laughs> he was he was describing the sense of apathy that he was wrestling with there's been few moments where i've had actual enthusiasm where just life is great you know why not like we, we got a guinea pig a week ago why i don't know i just kind of was like fun exciting and then quickly had to despair. But anyway, so there's been maybe some times where that's happened. But what I've found in my own life is that there have been rare moments that though I have been honest about the limitations, I haven't tried to escape them, run from them. If I've been honest with the limitations and yet I have held on to hope, there's been several moments where there's just been true joy. Where my, felt, my life felt rooted Rooted in hope, and I could be honest with the sense of loss that I was experiencing this season, and yet find that there's joy, there's purpose. You know, we expect joy to be down here, a life without any limitations. We expect purpose to be down here. But what we actually find is that's not always the case. I'm reminded of Paul's words to the city of Rome, the church in Rome, when he said, And we rejoice in the glory of the Lord, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. More than the glory of the Lord, we're rejoicing in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character produces hope. What begins with suffering ends up with hope. And listen to Paul's words, and hope does not put us to shame. Hope hope doesn't do that. When it comes to God, Hope does not leave us dry, doesn't leave us empty, will not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. What began in suffering ends in hope because God is with us. And God's with everyone. God is in every time. But I think God's Spirit leads in when moments of great limitation moments of great suffering and God lovingly pours his presence, his loving presence into our hearts so that we would know that we are prisoners of hope. We're held by hope. Though there's suffering, we're held by hope. And at the end of Acts, we find Paul. I think Paul's in this quadrant. He's in this quadrant where he can be bold. He can, he can be unhindered. He can, though he's constrained, that he, he has a sense of hope. And we might think, well, that's just Paul. Paul's, you know, as we know, Paul's bold. This is what he does. He's carefree. Not me. I'm not like that. But when we read through the scripture, we read through the letters that Paul wrote in this time of imprisonment. Like he redeemed the days by writing these letters to the different churches that he helped start. What we find in many of these writings is that he actually asked them, like the church, to, in, church in Ephesus, he actually wrote he asked the believers to pray that he would be enabled to proclaim the gospel fearlessly and boldly, though he was in chains. Paul had to maintain the spirit. He had to maintain that sense of hope. He had to, he had to foster it, foster it, cultivate it. And I, if I'm to be honest, that's not that's not my prayers. My prayers, my prayers, are not that God give me boldness and courage. My Prayers oftentimes is, God, take away the limitations. Change my circumstance. Like, take away this thing that feels oppressive. Get it out of me. Get it out of my way. Take it away from my life. But what we find here is, uh, what what Paul is doing here is, Paul is not praying that God move me down into this area. What Paul is saying is, give me boldness. God, I I need more of your presence here. Though I'm in chains, I need it. I need to find that you're here, that you're with me. You know, Paul doesn't want his exterior circumstances to change. He wants his interior world to change. Paul's not saying, don't take away my limitations. He's saying, take away my fear. Give me joy. Make me bold. Make me unhindered so I can speak about your kingdom here in Rome, though I'm in chains. What we find here is that you can chain up Paul, but you cannot chain the power of the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit that is poured into Paul's hearts, poured into our hearts and our lives. The gospel has been and continues to be unhindered by the limitations of this world, by the chains of this world. And oddly, what seems to be the case is when the world tries to impose limits and hindrances, the gospel actually flourishes. It actually spreads more. Jesus's mission will not be thwarted By the limitations of this world. It cannot be snuffed out. Right now, in places like China, while people are meeting in secret, the church is exploding. Right now in Africa, in Central America, where there seems to be a lot of limitations on life and flourishing, what we find is that it's moments like Acts is happening where the Holy Spirit's moving in power. Families and cities are being transformed. We see this in the midst of limitations. For three years, a couple years back, I was in a sense of uh, spiritual apathy. I was going through the motions, and I was not feeling that engaged with God, and I was invited to go serve in the prison just to go there, and I decided to say yes just to kind of shake things up. What began there was three years I would go to the prison every single Monday. For three years, I'd be there for three hours with these men. I can just attest that God's Spirit is powerfully present with those who are in bondage that those people who have incredible limitations on their life, when they encounter a sense of hope in God's presence, that there can be joy. I met men in that prison who radiate a kind of joy that I have not seen outside prison walls. It's surprising, but if we see the, the way that Acts ends, that the Holy Spirit makes people unhindered by a sense of surprising joy. That's how the book of Acts ends. And maybe Acts ends so abruptly, maybe so that we don 't wonder what happened to Paul, but maybe we we instead should wonder whatever happened to this movement, whatever happened to the power of the Holy Spirit in and among us this this the book of Acts ends without much uh, finality because it 's not final it 's to be continued. The work of the Holy Spirit is still with the church it wasn 't done. When Acts ended, it's not done with when, the, when the Bible ended. We are now the continuation of the story we found in Acts in these 50 days. That this gospel still is spreading here in Austin as much as it was in Paul's time. Jesus' commission that he gave in Acts chapter 1 is still his words for us, his church. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, and in Circle C, and in Brikerwood, and in downtown Austin, and Driftwood, and Dripping Springs, in your homes, your workplaces, your schools, in your neighborhoods, and to the ends of the earth. This is the message of Acts. This Jesus movement defied all odds and limitations. And when the followers of Jesus met with God's Spirit, hope broke forth, joy Broke forth, and the world will never be the same. And so, I just want to tell you today that though you might feel like you have great limitations, though you might be marked by despair or apathy, I just want you to know that God's Spirit wants to meet with you. God wants hope to break forth in your life. God wants to pour His love into your heart so that you would be moved to a place of joy where you could be unhindered. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Come and burn away our fear and our faithlessness. Set ablaze our imagination and boldness so that we could be your people who bear witness to your power here to our neighbors and to the world. And in the presence of so many limitations, make us your people unhindered. Amen.